0: And I say that because if you were the entrepreneur, then in the beginning, your responsibility is to let other people know about your stuff. If more people know about your stuff, more people will buy it. That is a promise. You can take that to the bank. Welcome to the game, where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer, and how to keep them longer, and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: Okay, here's something you do very well. This is where I think the offer and the lead thing sort of uh, marry one another. Totally. I'm watching you. I listen to you. And you either do this unconsciously, which I doubt. The <laughs> best people that I know that are entrepreneurs of any type, okay, you can even go to Jobs, and I can argue he was great at it. You can go to Musk, I can argue he was great at it. You can go to a hardcore selling person like uh, Ellison or whatever, <laughs> okay? They know how to frame. Mm-hmm. Okay, Alex. You're an incredible framer, okay? You know how to pre-frame something before you do it. You know how to create the frame when you're doing it. And then you know how to post-frame. I'm amazed, blown away. Like a great speaker walks out on a stage. They pre-frame. What's going to happen there today? Then they sit in the frame with you. Then they tell you what just happened. Yeah. Okay, this is just something most people are oblivious to. And if you're not good at it, you may get a close and not get leads. Right. If you're not good at this framing stuff, your ad's going to suck. Right. If you're not good at this framing stuff, th- your affiliates aren't going to offer it correctly. So all of this fits in there. I'm good at very few things. I'm a really good framer. No, no, I'm a really good framer of messaging. Of, I framed you in the beginning of the message. I just yeah. framed the complicated thing you just called yeah. it. So I reframed what it means. Are you conscious of that? Do you teach it? Do you think it's something that most entrepreneurs and salespeople, entrepreneurs and or salespeople, are not aware of enough?
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of teaching it, I don't. I think that good. Fr- I think framing, to your point, using a different word, just contextualizing. I think it's. A, I think it's a teaching skill. Mm-hmm. And so what we're what we're saying is like I said this this is what this means. It's like I'm translating this because you might speak in techno jargon for mm. whatever the thing that you're selling is. Mm. And they're like, you just said a lot of words. You're like, it means your house is going to be protected. Right. That's
1: what this means. can, I you give can you another example? sleep well at night. Can I give you another example of yeah. a frame? Y- your launch. Yeah. You framed it as, here's everything that's going to be, everything that's going to be, here's going to be, and then, and it's free. Yeah. <laughs> so you created a particular frame yeah. <laughs> and then you stepped out of it and shocked them. Yeah. But what you did is, first off, you have a generous heart and that's why yeah. you really did it. But let's also be honest. You created this massive value frame. This would cost you this. This is how I did it. This would do this. This would do this. And then emotionally at the end, because you were emotional about what you were giving them and believed in it so deeply. Yeah. But then you kind of stepped out of the frame and went, all that. Yeah. Bam. And now you're back in a new frame, which was a value, gift, generosity. Now everybody leaves the launch. It's super important. I don't even know if you know you did this. I mean, I I know you know what you were doing, but I don't know if you know what that led. You have built a reputation of being someone who brings tremendous value. Okay? That's one thing. Tremendous value. Well-prepared. Articulate. You know, cutting-edge. Clearly does this. Isn't talking about theory. That was the frame that was going on the entire launch. And then you stepped out of the frame and became a Jesus figure. (sighs) Literally, your frame changed. Kind, generous, giving, yeah. philanthropic. And so you get this great value frame and then you stepped in. You guys all know what I'm saying? In other words, he created great value, then he stepped out of the frame and gave it to you. And that that's, that's it's an, to, to your point, an irresistible offer when you do it that way. Were you conscious of that? And when I explain it back to you, do you see what I'm describing? You yeah. usually use two frames there.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, punking the game.
1: is that what you call that
0: well just uh, a a phrase I like for Mm -hmm.
1: it um and it was so good Alex and I'm I'm, I'm, it was so good it's gonna make it really hard for anybody else to launch a book hopefully no it's gonna make it really hard (laughs) you changed what that frame looks like now
0: and honestly I wanted to honor the book because of how much time I put into it Mm -hmm. and so I put I put probably 200 hours into the presentation um but I put I put two thousand hours into the book, mm-hmm. and so it was only ten percent of my work from the book went into the presentation. Even though the presentation was a you know a big a big thing, mm-hmm. um, but to your point with the contextualizing, like if I said, "Here's this thing, enjoy it," people don't know how to process that. Yes, and so it's breaking it down so that they can understand how how this will actually benefit their lives. Mm-hmm. And if I can, my hope was that people would, at 12,000, at 5,000, at $3,000, as I price dropped yeah. during, the, during the, the pseudo pitch, that people, and I got messages after being like, dude, I was there at five, yeah. I, was, I was in. And yeah. so it's different than giving a free gift. I wanted to give a $12,000 gift to every person that was there, but I had to justify why it was a $12,000 gift and why everybody would have paid that but then instead got
1: it for free. Um, But, Alex, what I'm saying is that it was brilliant and, by the way, very generous of you, but this is something in the sales process I don't think most people, they're they're giving away their product. They've not created a frame of its value before it's reduced to the access point that you can get it at. And that's something all of you, just the concept of what we're describing you've all got to start to understand or you're not going to be as great as you could be. You're not going to be the goat at what you do. I want to go to I want to go to some of the things you've Yeah. Here's something a guy said recently. This dude said, there's a moment when every boy realizes no one's coming to save him. And that's when he becomes a man. And some boys never get there and stay children forever. That guy was you that said that. And it's important when we step out of this, like this stuff matters because no one's effing coming to save you. No one's going to make you better at your business. No one is going to get you to be a better persuader of people or framer of people other than you. And I just feel like that's one of the more profound philosophical comments. There's a lot of grown men and women that are still boys and girls because they think someone else is coming to change their life. You say otherwise. What would you say to someone who's still living in that delusion? Wake
0: up. I mean,
1: reality probably stares at
0: them in stark contrast to what they want. So they're like, it's, I use the blame finger a lot, which is that power power follows blame. Mm. And so if you blame the government who you think is supposed to save you, or you blame politicians who you think is supposed to save you, or blame your company that you work for who you think is supposed to save you, or you blame the market, it doesn't really matter, Mm. or your parents... The whoever you blame is the person you ultimately give power to. And I find that really interesting because when I was that my moment of figuring this out was when I was 19 and I was really resentful of my parents. Specifically, this instance was my mother. And I blamed her for the way I was acting. I was like, well, if she parented me differently, I wouldn't be this egotistical and arrogant and blah, 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 whatever. Mm. And I realized that I actually was giving the person that at the time I disliked the most in the world. Mm all the power over my behavior. Mm. And so I was like, so, so that idea sickened me that mm. the person I disliked the most, again, at the time mm. was the one that I was actually giving my leash to. Wow. And so I was only acting in response to this leash and then, and, and, and willingly voluntarily giving her all the power over my life. And all I was doing was reacting to what this person did or what the government does or the politicians do. And so the first... Mm. I mean, I've said this before, but the, the, the first two words of getting out of poverty are my fault. And the thing is, is it doesn't actually matter if it is your fault, but it is your problem. And so you have to solve it because no one else will. And so that 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 allows you to actually do something about it. Mm. And so that that's been, I'm a big believer in operationalizing and only thinking about things through actions rather than feelings, because the feelings come and go and also they are justified or unjustified. It also is irrelevant because like if you make a hundred cold calls, whether you hate it or you love it or you're meant for it, or you, you'll, you'll, you never want to do it for the rest of your life. You make the calls and you practice the script, you'll get business mm-hmm. and you can also get business and make money even if you don't deserve it, which for me was actually a really comforting point. Cause there was definitely moments in my life where I had tons of self-loathing, didn't think I deserved anything, blah, blah, blah. But the idea that I could still have it anyways and not deserve it, if I only did the things that got it was like, it was kind of like in the, in the weightlifting world that the iron is the iron, whether you're black, you're white, you're a woman, 500 pounds, is 500 pounds. And so like the actions that create success are often are kind of the same way, which is like the hundred phone calls or the hundred pounds on the bar, the work just needs doing. And it doesn't, and I think it's, it's incredible for me, it's really inspiring that anyone can do the thing and get the result no matter how they feel about themselves. Mm. And I think that's really freeing. Mm. And so to the person who is still, you know, plugged in and waiting for someone to save them, someone will save you, but it's you future. You, the better you, the person that you've been waiting to become,
1: bro. You almost look like a somber look on your face. When you say it, you say <laughs> that because like you think so many people just aren't going to get that. Or do you say it because it's just so obvious to you at this point?
0: I think it's because I've been there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And so that's, I think that's, that's why, you know, my tone probably changes when I talk about that stuff. But it, like, I mean, the reason I make this, the, all the content that I do is cause like, I get it. Like, it, I mean, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I mean, it, the thing, the Rocky cutscene lasts two minutes in the movie, but it can last five years in real life. Mm-hmm. And it's not, and there is no background music. You know what I mean? And there's no audience waiting to cheer for you. And you don't know that you're going to beat Apollo Creed. So you're in it for five years, and I think the hard part of entrepreneurship is the uncertainty that you don't know if it's going to work out. Mm -hmm. But taking to the other natural extreme, if you did know and you were guaranteed that it was going to work, it wouldn't be worth it. (laughs) So we want something from a world. We want a guarantee from a world that doesn't give any. And the fact that it doesn't give a guarantee is what makes it worth it.
1: Bro. Bro. (laughs) My nephew's got an auto detailing business. He just started. And uh, he calls me, he goes, Uncle Eddie, I just don't know whether or not uh, my business is going to work and happen. And uh, I said, well, I don't know whether it's going to work or happen as well, but I know that if you did the work, it's likely to happen. Yeah. And I go, but are you willing to do the ugly Yeah. He said, What do you mean? I said, The ugly, ugly. He goes, Well, you know, I said, So, your existing clients, do you have an affiliate program where they can refer you people? He goes, Actually, I do. For every one of these, they get $25 or whatever it was. I go, That's really good. I said, How many are you getting from that? And he goes, Well, I only have like, you know, 18 clients. So, like, three of them have sent me somebody. I go, Well, if that's all you continue to do, you're probably going to have a difficult time to your point of the paths. And he goes, Well, what would you do? I said, I can tell you exactly what I would do. It would be inevitable. Um, what are you doing Saturdays and Sundays? You doing cars? He goes, No, I don't have any cars to do. I said, Well, I'd go print out a whole bunch of flyers and I go knock on doors where people have cars. Yeah. And he goes, Oh, really? I go, Yeah, I'd knock on 100 doors a Saturday. I'd give them my flyer, let them know about my business, get them exposure, let them know what a great job we do, give them a list of my Instagram, and they can see the other cars we've cleaned and the other things that we've yeah. done. And, and anyway what happens is the more you have a specific plan like this where you're willing to do the ugly and run the numbers your fear level diminishes to an extent the notion that's going to go away completely isn't mm-hmm. true yeah. but there's something about doing the ugly thing that reduces fear it not only increases your chance of winning but you're like the possibility mathematically of me losing now is rather small. But when you're not doing these things, the reason you're living with so much fear is, you know the possibility of you not winning is rather great. And so you're living with a fear that's self-imposed, self-induced, and your fault because you're not willing to do the ugly. And I think that's why sometimes when I look back at those days, I have that same look you have. There's also an internal part of me that goes, man, I actually did those ugly things when I didn't want to. When I didn't have any desire to, and I wasn't sure it was going to work, but I was actually almost ensuring it was going to work based on the math part of it. Yeah. You know
0: what I'm saying? 100%. <sighs> One of my favorite like math equations to figure out is the input-output equation to what I want. And so like as soon as you can boil down Whatever goal you have into like the most simple version of the action, which is like I need to dial this many things, or I need to send this many emails, or I need to send this many direct messages, or I need to post this many posts of content, mm-hmm. or I need to run this much per day in advertising or PPC or SEO or whatever it is. As soon as it boils down to that, then it's then then it's plug and chug. Then it's yes. just then it and then what happens is action alleviates anxiety. And so, so I'm, I'm going to give two polar extremes here. So this is something I'm working on, but mm-hmm. so I told. I was saying earlier that I like operationalizing words and like what they mean, mm-hmm. right? And so sadness comes from the perceived lack of options. That's why it feels like hopelessness. You don't know what to do. That's why you feel sad. And you can solve that with knowledge, right? Because it's, sadness is actually an ignorance issue. It just, you just don't know. So if you did know what to do, then you wouldn't be sad anymore because you would know what action to take anxiety is the opposite of that which is you have many options in front of you but you don't know which to take which is a lack of priorities and you solve that with a decision Mm -hmm. and so usually you have lots of decisions that you haven't made and then that's why you have anxiety and so you need to confront decisions you need to make and so there was a a point that i was getting to and i totally forgot because i got really excited about this stuff
1: but (laughs) no it was a fact about about um action and reducing fear when you don't know you have lose hope
0: yes and so And so once you have the clear path of like you you, you solved it, which is why you're listening to this podcast, you read the books, so you can go from ignorance, not knowing, to knowing what you need to do, Mm -hmm. then it's literally just saying the first six hours of my day, every day, and I still do this, just so you get like this habit. Like, I, I was asked once, what was, what's the biggest ROI habit? Now, everyone mm. has different things. But for me, it's that the first six hours of my day, every day, is dedicated to the activities that I need to do to move the business forward. Mm. I don't take meetings. I don't take calls. It's just me. Mm. After the, that six hours is when my day starts. So that's when I do, I take my meetings, I take my calls, mm. and whatever. And so in the early days, when I had customers, mm-hmm. <laughs> then that meant that I would work from 4 to 10 Mm -hmm. And then I would do all my customer stuff after that. Mm -hmm. Now, where I'm at now, I don't have customers per se. And Mm -hmm. so I wake up a little bit later and I work work from six until, and the way that my my team schedules my calendars, they actually work from the back of the day forward. And so if I have like three meetings, they're going to start them at, you know, the last one will be at 4.30, 4, and then 3.30. And so I have from the moment I wake up until 3.30 in the afternoon to move my stuff forward. That's how I work, but I'm not an operator. Layla, my wife, is stacked meetings all day long because she's running the teams and she's keeping cadence on stuff. And I say that because if you were the entrepreneur, then in the beginning, your responsibility is to let other people know about your stuff. If more people know about your stuff, more people will buy it. That is a promise. You can take debt to the bank. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if you think about it, the absolute natural extreme, if every person on planet Earth knew about your business, you would make more money. Mm -hmm. Real quick, guys, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this, and I don't sell anything, and so the only ask that I can ever have of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more entrepreneurs, make more money, feed their families, make better products, and have better experiences for their employees and customers. And the only way we do that is if you can rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world for someone else. And so the question then just becomes, how do I let more people know about my stuff? And that's why I wrote the book. But it's like, and I, I wanted to make it action oriented because either you did the reach outs or you didn't. Either you posted the content or you didn't. Either you ran the ads or you didn't. And you switch who you're advertising to. So we're talking about affiliates. You can post content to get affiliates. You can do warm reach outs to get affiliates. You can run paid ads to get affiliates. Mm-hmm. You can also do all those things to get customers. And what do you think recruiting is? You do cold reach outs to get employees. You run ads to get employees. You like the the process of making something known is the same whether you're recruiting employees, recruiting customers, recruiting affiliates, recruiting an agency. How do you find out about agency? It's the same process of making known. And so right now, if you're not getting the amount of leads that you want, you're not advertising enough. Period. Mm-hmm. And so, and again, with the leverage thing, is that you don't need to be like we got five hundred thousand leads, you know, to to come to, for the event, for, register for the book launch i didn't get five hundred thousand. Right. i i did i'll tell you what i did i hired someone who is a director of people who then hired a director of brand who organized my media te- if we're really talking about this right mm-hmm. who organized my media team who posted 300 pieces of content a week leading up to the launch of the book my director of people hired my internal director of marketing who reached out to six agencies and picked the one that he thought was best suited to run our ads. Mm-hmm. And they ran our ads for us. Mm-hmm. My And mind you, all of this came off of one thing for me, which was just, we hired a director of people who then hired people who then got the thing. And so 500,000, mine was more or less like, we're going to follow this playbook. Yes. And then down it went. But if you're like, well, must be easy for you to say, yes. Mm-hmm. But it still starts with the first action which is if I hadn't hired that person, I would have had to move one level down on that level of leverage. And so if you're that solopreneur or you're a salesperson who works in an organization and you need to get your own leads, whatever it is, there are only four things that you can do to get leads that you yourself, you reach out to people you know, you reach out to people you don't know, you post content and you run ads. That's it. That's That's all there is. And if you're not doing those four things, whether it's to get affiliates, to get customers, to get employees, to get, get agencies, it doesn't matter because those are the only four things that one person can do to let other people know about their stuff. So if you're not getting enough leads, you're
1: not doing enough of that, period. It's not good. It's outstanding. It's truth. By the way, Sasha, have we really been going 45 or 50 minutes? 50 minutes? I literally think we've been doing this for 15 minutes. <laughs> I have never. I mean, dude, I've done 500 podcasts. I have never looked up at the clock and gone, it it was 50 minutes. I thought it was like 15 I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not letting your ass go just yet. Bro, I'm not exaggerating. That is the fastest freaking 50 minutes in the history of my life. I can't even get over that. That's nuts to me. That's how you know something is good. You mentioned Layla. I'm not going to let you out of here this time without talking about her. First off, one cool thing people don't know is, like, almost every single time you've reached out to me, which I love and by the way, I totally want to do. I've had to say no like three times to him. It's like this dude whose brain I love picking and I think he likes picking mine too. He just always asks me when I can't do something, right? And it's all sometimes like, what are you doing tonight? Yeah. That's Once in a while right? A of those, right? But um you it always includes her. Yeah. And I meet look, you're brilliant. Okay. Let's just be honest, okay? You are. Thanks. And then I watch her stuff and I'm like, dude. Yeah. She's freaking unbelievable. And I know you play different roles. But I actually posted something about today, and I just want your take on it. By the way, one of those other pointing at the other person as their objection for their life, some people point at their significant other as their reason, right? You're giving somebody advice about that. Like, hey, you're going to have a running mate necessarily or not a running mate. What are some of the things you would recommend from your own experience with her that are most important or, or something that's even happened with you and her? So I will
0: give my first frame, which is uh, we've only been together seven years, you know, married six. And so I realize that I'm young in this game. So take this for what it is. Um, I think Layla and I practice acceptance very well, which is that the reason that I married Layla was that she never wanted to change anything about me. And that was that was what I wanted. I just wanted to be me. And I felt like a lot of times I had to compromise or, you know, I felt like I needed to compromise who I was or what I wanted to do Mm. for a middle ground. And I think there, there are plenty of marriages to be fair that that do that and they do it exceptionally well. And this isn't me saying that that's good or bad or whatever. I'm only sharing what has worked for us is that Layla is Layla. And if she wants to wear the nicest clothes and drive the nicest cars and be in the nicest penthouses and stuff, then if it doesn't bother me, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if I want to wear, I look like an electrician, you know, like, <laughs> you <laughs> a know, <lumberjack> electrician. Right? <laughs> um, then she doesn't try and dress me a certain way or make mm-hmm. me, you know, like, Hey, it'd be really cool if you were just scruffy, you know, mm-hmm. or I wish you cut your hair like this. Like she, she just doesn't, you know? And I think the big thing for us is that we are absolutely aligned on the big mission and we're absolutely aligned on the values, which is, so where we want to go and how we want to get there. And I think the third, the third piece that we look at is lifestyle It's like, what do you like to do in the day-to-day or interests? I remember when I was debating whether I wanted to be with her or not, I had a coach at the time and he said, Well, tell me about your stats. And I was like, What do you mean? And he's like, Your stats. He's like, since you came in your life. Are you making more money? Are you in better shape? Like, how do you like how do you feel? Like, do you have more energy? Like are you doing more stuff? Are you getting close to your goals? and i thought about it i was like well, yeah i am making way more money and i mean shoot she makes me money cuz she was working for me i was like she literally she's not she's not a liability she's a she's an asset you know <laughs> she's <laughs> like, she's making me money um and so i you t- know and, and it's like and she's really fit and so she like cooks healthy and she's getting me eat a little healthier than i you know cuz she's mm-hmm. cooking and, and mm-hmm. i am there <laughs> right 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 um and she goes to the gym more than i do so i was like you know if i see her go i'm like oh, i should go you know and so every when i thought about every one of the stats in my life they all went up and so I think that – and I've said this before, but, like, Layla and I didn't have a romantic chemistry fireworks beginning. Um, My first date, I asked her to work for me, and I said, this might not work out, but, like, you should totally work for me because you have a skill set that would make a lot of sense. And uh, that was my proposition, right? (laughs) And uh, she said, no, I just met you from the internet. Uh, But, you know, three weeks later, she quit her job, and she joined me at Gym Launch. Mm. And so um, I think it's just been absolute alignment. Of where we're trying to go, how we want to get there, and the interests we have, and absolute acceptance of not trying to change the other person or their goals. Now, if there was ever a time in the future where she said like, "My goal differs from yours," mm-hmm. then it might not make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. But I think our goal is big enough and wide enough, and it has, and because we are exposed to the same stimuli, and I think I have a tremendous amount of respect for people who don't work with their spouse because that's what I do, and mm-hmm. I I can't imagine it another way. Now, I'm sure people in reverse mm-hmm. say the same thing, mm-hmm. but. We get exposed to the same hardships, and so in a lot of ways, I feel like we continue to grow together, or at least in parallel on the same path. Mm-hmm. If you're exposed to a lot of different stimuli and stressor than your spouse is, they're going to respond to the stressors and adapt, just like any other mm-hmm. organism would. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you grow apart. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very grateful that we can work together and transparently. That my wife has a skill set that is consistently incredibly valuable. Um, you know, because real talk, if if Layla wasn't an exceptional CEO then we wouldn't, like, Layla wouldn't be the CEO. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But she just is, people don't know this from the content, but I would argue that Layla is a better CEO than I am, quote, visionary. Mm -hmm. I think the ideas are easy. Mm -hmm. Doing it is hard. Mm -hmm. And she has made me look exceptional by making crazy ideas, like a 500,000-person launch, actually happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Like anyone can say, sure. Let's let's do an affiliate program. Let's do a referral program. Let's do this. Let's do mm-hmm. let's get some agency. Like I, I say all that stuff, and then she's like, got a hundred and sixty eight item asana you know list, yeah. and then she starts dealing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dealing and shelling these things out, and then all of a sudden, I get all the credit, which is you know a burden I have to bear. No, say- <laughs> okay. Are you happy right now? Me? Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm in the game.
1: Yeah, in like, the g- is oh no pun intended, but yeah. So you you are happy right now.
0: This is the best this is the best version of me i've had so far Mm -hmm. um but i i realized for me that my when i look back on my short life Mm -hmm. um the times that i have that i look as the good old times were always the times where i was in pursuit not when i was in achievement and i absolutely now have a massive bone that i'm chewing on and i there's nothing like if I have three days in a row on a long weekend and I have nothing planned and a big cup of coffee and a big ass goal I'm working on, like there is nothing in this world that makes me happier mm. than just being able to just pull a thread and just keep pulling it on my own uh, and working through something complex, like writing the book, like the, like or organizing the launch, or you know scripting the ads, or you know coming up with the affiliate program that aligns every party associated with it. Mm. That's that's there's nothing I'd rather do. Like I don't have hobbies. Like this I get I get I get flack for this all the time they're like don't you think you're unbalanced I'm like why
1: like I like this I like what I do every day It's interesting what we share by the way I just did content that i released today that said if you're trying to change the person you're with you're wasting your time right i just did that the other thing is that i have tried golf and i play a little bit but the truth is business is my sport yeah business is my hobby changing people's lives is my passion yeah and like of course i'm happy doing it it'd be like if you love golf and you played golf all the time wouldn't you be happy like i love doing this all the time it makes me happy i um i cannot get over how quickly this went i almost feel like i would like to spend the night with you <laughs> <laughs>
0: can, can, can I add one caveat to the question that you asked about the happiness thing? Yeah so happiness is a really tricky question and I, I think t- I'll give a reframe for the audience that might be helpful which is um, like wanting to be happy from a some, like a word perspective is in some way saying like I want to eat a meal so big I'm never hungry again it's it's a it's a misnomer and I, I prefer to use the word joy that I experience joy or that I experience meaning in the work that I do because like you can mourn and be joyful, at least in my, my two cents. And so I think that the idea that I think inhibits or prevents a lot of entrepreneurs from continuing down the path is that they are like, I'm not happy. But like happiness a lot of times is just a circumstantial circumstantial response to whatever external thing. But if like joy is a lot more internal and you can be in the thick of it and working on your auto detailing business on the thirty seventh door of that day and you have a little tick mark and you know you gotta get to a hundred and you had the last thirty six slammed in your face. But like you can be joyful if you reframe the joy around the person you are becoming by doing the hard work. And the thing that has, I think right now been my biggest area of interest in terms of my own performance has been truly divorcing outcome from winning. And like, it's it's really easy to say and really hard to do, but I want to be the father that when Timmy wins 10, zero, I can look at him and be like, I'm disappointed in you, not because of the outcome, because I know you could have tried harder. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, if he loses 10-0, I'm going to be like, Timmy, you worked your ass off. You left it all on the field. I'm proud of you. And I want to be Timmy to me <laughs> yeah. and 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 judge myself by that. And I get in the most flow in the work when the my metric for success is how hard I worked for it. And that has made joy, feel like it's under my control more than anything else. And so that is what I've been practicing on a daily basis. And I think has for me unlocked a level of productivity and work that when I was more external and outcome focused was more ephemeral because like, you know what, I could have had the book launch and the internet could have gone down for the whole city of Vegas. Mm -hmm. But if I know that I had done everything in my absolute power to prepare, then I could still be proud of me and I would have earned my approval. And so it's more like that has been my consistent process of like if I can just respect me for the work I did, then that is enough.
1: Uh, that's another level right there. You just described me to me better than I've ever described to me, <laughs> bro. OK, uh, by the way, everyone on my team, just so you know, that's a social media clip right there. The last <laughs> minute and a half. That's uh, the best description I've ever heard of how I've lived my crazy life. And it explains me to me. Let me tell you what you just did in the last minute there, two minutes. You help. I'm, I'm being honest, I'm older than you, and I'm still <laughs> richer than you, barely. I, <laughs> um, um, I say that, you know what I mean. You're definitely. I, uh, no, I don't know that anymore. But um, <laughs> you just described me to me. You just helped me understand myself very well. There's a depth to you, bro, and a dimension. The, my favorite people are really multidimensional people. And you online sometimes make yourself seem like you're just entrepreneurial dimensional. But what makes you such a creative, skilled, visionary entrepreneur is the dimension that you have, is, is your depth is your depth, and you just exemplified it right there. I've just had somebody a lot younger than me just explain me to me better than I've ever understood myself what you just said right there, and that's why I kind of look at you like a young son or a brother because that's exactly how I am. It's exactly, Alex, how I am, and it's made me understand why I I, uh, I actually live pretty joyfully most of the time, yet it's not something I'm going to go get and I'm going to slow down and cool down and then it's all going to rain down on me yeah. in those times. It's been the pursuit. Yeah. It's been the growth, bro. Such a great conversation. It is the fastest one in an hour I guess now like an hour and 10 minutes or whatever it's been that I've ever had. And I just feel like I feel this sense of like real accomplishment. Yet I'm empty because I know we like barely scratched the surface. What we should just do is like, let's just have you back every six months when you're in town and we'll just <laughs> yeah. dig deeper into your brain. Thank, thank you for today. Thank um, you. You guys, he's awesome. I don't need to sell this one to you. Like, you've just shared this with anybody who's ever got a business in your entire life. He's Alex Hermosi. You should be following him on social media. I fully endorse him, by the way. And you should go get $100 million leads, $100 million leads, how to get strangers to want to buy your stuff. Go check out acquisition.com. If you need help growing your business, hey, Alex might be a dude you want to see as well.
0: Can I add one thing? So just as a gift for you guys, um, if you like podcast stuff, I put both of my books on my podcast for free. Mm-hmm. So if you're like struggling right now, you don't have money, you're like, you know, $20 is going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, the game is called The Podcast, and it's um, shoot, it's, it's high 500s. I can't remember the actual episode, but $100 million offers and $100 million leads, the audio books, I put them all in my podcast so you can just listen to them.
1: Yeah, it went to the number one podcast on the planet when he yeah. did. So, <laughs> so- <laughs> so, he, he, you guys go get it. He's not doing it because he wants another download. He's doing it. To <laughs> yeah. help <you>. I can <laughs> promise you that. <laughs> All right, guys. Alex, thank you.
0: Thank you.